eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to press the panic button, but things are getting a little bleak for our New York Knickerbockers. This is EJ Stewart with Tommy Beer. This is Orange and Blue Bloods. A New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. Tommy, a lot to talk about on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. We'll be talking about the Knicks on, in this four-game losing streak after losing another one to the Raptors. We'll also be talking about some interesting trade rumors regarding a new name that has not been, been linked to the Knicks yet that dropped uh, earlier in this episode. We're recording on Monday, so we'll talk about that. And we'll preview another matchup with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Always a... Uh, one to watch considering Donovan Mitchell and, and all that happened this offseason and the rumors that he'll be a Nick. And anytime now the Knicks play against the Cavs, will end up being Mark two matches. So we'll talk about all that on the episode. Uh, Tommy, how you feeling? Uh, feeling all right. I just, uh, it's always interesting this team. It's it's one or the other, it's one end of the spectrum or the other, streaking losses or, or wins and, and seemingly no in between. And uh, they're on the downslope right now, and things could go from bad to ugly real quick. Yeah, it is definitely getting uh, concerning at this point. And speaking of which, we will be here every week, three times a week on Orange and Blue Bloods, a podcast you can get, like I said, uh, you know, three times a week on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you hit the auto download feature and subscribe to our channel so that you can get these episodes when we drop. them. So let's talk about this first uh, topic, talking about this four game losing streak. So the Knicks continued their losing skit over the weekend, dropping games to both the Hawks on Friday and the Raptors on Sunday. New York did overcome a 17-point deficit in the second quarter to take the lead against the Toronto Raptors in the third quarter of this game on Sunday, but were absolutely blitzed when the fourth quarter started. Toronto uh, started in that fourth quarter on a 24-10 to run that pretty much put the game away. Fred VanVleet, who has really become a Nick killer this season, had another big game. He had 28 points in this win for Toronto. Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. each had 24. For the Knicks, R.J. Barrett led all scorers with 30 points in his homecoming back to his uh, stomping grounds in the Toronto area. Julius Randle had 23 points uh, and a season-high 19 rebounds, so another rebounding clinic put on by Julius, but not enough for the W here. Interesting to note, Emmanuel quickly did not play in this game due to a sore knee. He worked it out. He came into the game questionable, 
and Knicks held him out. The idea is that it's not a serious injury, but um, he was not able to go, and that was noteworthy. Interestingly enough, Obi Toppin, who had one of his best games in a while, scored 14 points, only played 11 minutes in this game. It was pretty much invisible when it came to the fourth quarter. So I want to start there because it seemed like a lot of the conversation from this game started with that uh, or ended with that, at least in terms of, of how people saw this game. You know, you had Obi Toppin, who we talked about ad nauseum on the show and his inability to get consistent minutes. There's a game last night where Emmanuel quickly is out, so you know you need more fans scoring. Obi Toppin was an absolute flamethrower from three, and yet only 11 minutes in this game. Uh, Tommy, how did you feel about how Coach Tom Thibodeau handled Obi's playing time in this one? Yeah, I think uh, you know where I'm going with this one, EJ. Um, I do. As, you, as you mentioned, Knicks came out flat. Um, Raptors up 15 at the end of the first quarter, hit their first five threes, 7-11 from three from, from downtown, um, entered the second quarter with a 15-point lead. Obi comes in and gets hot, hits four straight three-pointers, has a steal that leads to a three-pointer. Um, Knicks cut the deficit down to five, um, obviously sparked by uh, Obi's energy on both ends of the floor and his production from downtown. Obi checks out uh, around five minutes left in the second quarter. For the rest of the game, there's 30 minutes of game time left. End of the second quarter, the full third quarter, the full fourth quarter. Obi plays three minutes over those final 30 minutes. Obi Toppin on a day when the Knicks don't have Emmanuel quickly, their best bench scorer, when Mitchell Robinson, their starting center, is, is injured, forcing them to start Jericho Sims and, and play extended minutes to Isaiah Hardenstein, who's been terrible over the last two weeks. On that day, in that game, where he has the best quarter he's had this season, maybe, you know, in, in two months, certainly, he plays 10 minutes and 31 seconds. Um, uh, I, I don't know, I, you know, you <laughs> What's there to say? Um, it's it's yeah. a poor decision. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's a, it, If there was ever a time and a place for Obi to get play extended minutes, whether that's in place of Hardenstein, whether that's alongside Randall, whether that's in place of Sims, listen, are there pros and cons you can weigh? Absolutely. But again, the Hardenstein minutes have not been beneficial. They've not been working. So um, why not take a chance? And if you don't want to sub out Randall, um, then, then have him play alongside Obi. Um, made no sense to me, and uh, I, I think it was a relatively indefensible coaching decision. Yeah, I mean, Tom Thibodeau is getting raked through the coals for this particular coaching performance, and I think he deserves it. Uh, the Obi Toppin minutes made uh, – lack of minutes, rather – made absolutely no sense, especially when you talk about the matchup because this is a team you're playing in Toronto who you know won't play a lot of size. They're very long, but they don't have, like, really a traditional five, really with the exception of Boucher, kind of. Like, I don't even know. He's, he's yeah, he's a stretch person. five anyway. The yeah. stretch five. But, I mean, size in, ter in terms of, like, he's seven foot. You know, he's yep. a real big in that regard. Otherwise, though, they're playing a lot of combo forwards um, at center. You know, you know, Young is playing center. Pascal Siakam is playing center. Achua is playing center. So this is not a team that you would feel like, well, you know, they could just overwhelm us with their size and strength and then playing Obi at the center or Randall at the center would just kill you. This is the absolute best chance you have to maybe try a lineup like that, especially in a game that you kind of saw. Knicks didn't really have it defensively for a lot of this game, especially in the first and the fourth quarter, where, okay, it might become kind of a shootout kind of a of a, of a, of a up-tempo kind of game. This is the kind of game where you can try this, uh, you know, four or five lineup with Obi and Randall in. Tibbs is reluctant to go to it. I feel like it's one of those things where it's confirmation bias for him. Like 
he goes, he went to it uh, in the Atlanta game for a little bit. It did not look good to his credit. And I think that was okay. See, guys, I told you it sucks. And now I'm never going to go to it ever again. And it's like, well, if you don't actually give it a real shot, it's never going to work because those guys also have to get rhythm. They also have to get chemistry playing together. I don't know how often they practice. I get the impression they don't practice it much at all. And Tim is a big guy on, you know, you practice what you, what you do in the games, but like you got to spend like legitimate practice time on it. And then when it goes, when you go out there and you try it out in the game, you have to give it real time. Cause we know that this Hardenstein starting, you know, playing the five and the minutes he's getting, like that's not giving them anything. Like they've practiced that. They've tried that. They've been going with it all year and Hardenstein hasn't given them anything. So we know what you're getting with Hardenstein playing his 15 to 20 minutes a night. So you're better off trying to go with Obi Toppin here and say, okay, what do we have with this? There may be some bumps in the road. There may be some, uh, there may be some, 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 uh, you know, some growing pains with it, but there's no commitment to actually giving it a shot. So it's never going to really work because the coach doesn't, doesn't want it to work. Like I really don't believe he wants it to work. So this is the kind of game where, where Obi, I don't know. Was he the second best Nick on the floor in that game? Like you can make the case he was. I mean, he, he had 14 points in 11 minutes. Uh, you know, make case we say okay, me RG at 30. I think RG's defense is really starting to struggle though. I mean, because he was offensively. I mean, it's tough to see Scotty Barnes just kind of just bully him around the basket. And and I don't know for a guy who looked like he had real two way potential, RJ looks like a guy who's only concerned about his offense right now. But if you say okay, besides RJ. Obi can make the case for the second best player. You know, Randall had a very good game on the glass, but you know, turnovers hurt him. Brunson, I thought had he had 21 points, but I thought it was the most empty 21 points I've seen from him this year. He did not have a good game. So you got a guy playing that well, and you can't find time for him. But then you have a guy in Evan Fournier who played that poorly, and you found 21 minutes for Evan Fournier. That also, to me, nonsensical. Because you had Quentin Grimes, who albeit did not have his best game, but we know that he's a much better threat as a defender. We know that he can hit shots. And you have him on the bench for a lot of that fourth quarter. And, and, and Evan Fournay is out there still playing. I thought one of the keys in this game as well was Deuce McBride's defense. And I thought that he kind of changed the the, the, the the feel of the game. He kind of brought physicality to the game. And instead of taking Evan Fournay out, he kept taking Deuce McBride out. And I know Deuce McBride couldn't shoot, but they were actually guarding a little bit with Deuce McBride out there. So uh, it was a disaster class from Tom Thibodeau in this game. And it, it, it's, it's not surprising that you're starting to see people question, you know, what, what is going on? And, and, and is it even possible that Nixon even survive this little stretch without Mitch if this is how Tibbs is going to coach this? All right. Let's go a little bit point by point here. Um, I'll, I'll try to touch on some of the things you highlighted. Yeah. Um, Hartenstein, over his last 12 games, averaging 2.8 points in 14.4 minutes while shooting 36.1% from the floor. During that stretch, he's one of 13 in the paint non-restricted area. That's on his floaters, one of 13. Um, a seven-foot center shooting 38.2% on two-point field goals. That's including dunks. That's not good. Um, By the way, I'm glad those numbers confirmed what I said on the last podcast, that the heightened heart and sign float is becoming one of my most hated shots of any, or any hated moves of any Nick player. That I've ever watched. So the one for thirteen, I love that. That that is that that is the number there. That was right. And, it, and it's clear that he's playing with no confidence. Just the one he attempted last yeah. night, you know, just wasn't there. He hasn't even he's he hasn't he's shot one one three pointer in the last you know, two three pointers in the last month. He's kind of given up on that, um, rightfully so, because he was shooting below thirty percent. But um, it's ugly out there. And again, as as far as defense, yes, um, 
Obi is a subpar defender and has been a subpar defender up to this point in his career. He definitely needs to improve on the defensive end. Um, but again, it's not as though the Knicks are a great defensive team and you bring Obi in and all of a sudden they fall apart. Over the last four, it's not, and, and they've given up 125 points in each of the last two games. First time since 2019 that they have allowed 125 points, but it's not just the last two games. Going back four games, they're allowing 125.6, uh, 125.8 points per game their opponents are scoring, um, you know, during this four-game losing streak. Um, so that that is another issue. Um, again, there, there's there, you're running out of reasons not to play Obi. Um, and also, you you mentioned the, the Fournier situation, him getting twice as many minutes as Obi. I thought if the worst decision Tibbs made on Sunday night was not playing Obi, right in the running, uh, maybe one and one A was starting the fourth quarter. His refusal to stagger Brunson and Randall's minutes to and yeah. and not have one of those guys on the floor at the start of the fourth quarter on a on, on a, in a typical regular game it boggles the mind. But last night you didn't have Emmanuel quickly for the first time all year. In the in those fourth the start of those fourth quarters in, in in games past, at least you have IQ who can do a reasonable job of facilitating running the offense. Last night you started the fourth quarter with McBride and Fournier as your starting backcourt with Hartenstein at center. Um, that's a recipe for disaster. As yep. you know, um, Raptors come out 11-0 run, uh, and that basically ended the game. He rushed Randall and, and Brunson back in there, but it was essentially too late. Um, so again, that's another situation that that you know you know he he can get knocked for. One last thing you mentioned, R.J. Barrett. Pros last five games, he's averaging twenty six point five points, six point six point zero rebounds. Um, Knicks have lost each of those four games, and R.J. has by far the worst plus minus in the team. The Knicks have been outscored by 52 points in the 167 minutes RJ has been on the floor during that four game stretch. Um, I agree with you. He's, he's, you know, his box scores look good, but you, it doesn't match the eye test and the, and the, and the net ratings also are, are incredibly damning of RJ Barrett of late. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, he just, I think he needs to focus on impacting the game beyond just scoring. Like, I think that, Look, he, he wasn't scoring the ball earlier earlier this season, so I'm glad he's scoring the ball the way he is and an efficient rate. Like, I think that RJ's uh, development as an offensive scorer, you got to really love what you're seeing for the most part for the last uh, – now I think you say about two months. But, again, the lack of defense, um, the way he started that fourth quarter, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that goes into Tip saying, I'm going to put you out there with Fournier, McBride, and Hartenstein. But he's also giving you the, the, the lead would say, hey, I need you to keep this and keep this game close. And I thought RJ started that fourth quarter miserably. So that also uh, is, is something that RJ has got to be able to understand, that when you have a game like that and you're playing with other players, you got to be at your best in that moment. The game, the moment you mentioned you're playing with, you know, Randall and with Brunson, like, you know, what we get from you at that point is almost like, you know, icing on the cake. It's almost like a luxury. It's, almost a, it's, a, it's just a plus to what you already have. It's when he's with those bench guys where he has to kind of carry the load. And there have been too many times this season where Tibbs has decided to kind of give RJ that role, even with quickly out there. And he hasn't really played well in those stretches. And a lot of times the game is turned in those stretches. And like you said, it makes me kind of wonder if, if, if they should be staggering differently. Should Brunson be the first guy that comes out in the third quarter and in the first quarter? And then he plays with McBride and those guys. I know it's tricky because with IQ's back, you can't play three guards. But then maybe it's Randall. Like, also, that would be a great way to get Obi more minutes is to play him with the starters. Take Randall off first. Let Randall then play with those other bench guys. He definitely is, I think, more equipped for it than RJ because I think Randall 
brings more gravity to the defense. Teams will have to double him more. It will give these guys more open shots. But we're talking again. Sometimes it feels like I'm talking to a cloud. But we're talking about making adjustments and thinking creatively to solve problems. And it just seems like Tibbs is not interested in thinking creatively. He's he's determined that he's already he already has the only solution that's possible, and he's going to do it until it works. And and as long as Tibbs has his six best players and he can play them 44 minutes a night and they never get hurt and they're always healthy and, you know, then they'll be fine, you know, uh, you know, but uh, unfortunately that's not the way the league works. And the Knicks have been incredibly lucky that they've been, uh, you know, they haven't suffered any significant injuries to their, their key cogs. Um, Randall's played in every game. Brunson's only missed a few. RJ's only missed a handful um, with the finger issue. Um, and the other thing to note about last night, the Knicks actually had a rest advantage. The Raptors yeah. played a heartbreaker, you know, a close game right down to the wire against the Celtics the prior night. They were playing without OG Ananobi, their best defender. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet came back from a rib injury. Um, the one the one coach that leans more heavily on his starters than Tibbs does is Nick Nurse. Um, so you figure, and they blew it, and they blew a big fourth quarter leads the Raptors did in each of their previous two games. You figure there's one chance for the Knicks to kind of get over the hump and finally um, you know, get back in the win column and kind of knock things out, you know, and, and, and get on the right side of that fourth quarter point differential. Um, last night was an opportunity to do so and, and very important opportunity because, and we'll talk about this, the Knicks schedule coming up here is going to get ugly. Um, it's going to get very challenging, very difficult. Six of the next seven opponents above 500. They play each of the top five teams in the East, Cavs, Nets, um, Sixers, Heat, they play each. Uh, they play each of those teams in, in over that next that this seven game stretch. So um, that was a game the Knicks kind of really needed to win. Um, this this the losing streak is at four. They need to they need to nip in the bud. And the question at this point remains: Is there any way the Knicks can get to the All Star break um, at five hundred or above? Right now, it, it seems rather unlikely. Yeah, I say look out below right now. This is this is a a concerning part of this schedule. You mentioned the teams that they have coming up. We know Mitchell Robinson will likely not be in any of these games we're talking about. This is this is you know scary hours for lack of a better term for the Knicks to me. I mean, you, because I don't see unless there's a trade that's made, I don't see where they kind of fix their issues. Like defensively, they look lost. Um, I, I don't know how many games they're going to watch where the Knicks can have some success offensively, and the team says, "All right, let's just go to zone." And then the Knicks once again can't execute. Zone offense. Like, I was like, I feel like I've been talking about this for so many years. Last night, I was like, let me search, like, my Twitter. I'm, when was the last time, when was the first time I mentioned about Knicks struggling on zone offense? It was 2001. And the tweet was me saying, the Knicks have been struggling with zone offense for two seasons now. I've been talking about the Knicks struggles with zone offense for three seasons, three years. That goes beyond even the tips tenure. Like, why can't the Knicks execute against a zone? Like, to me, like, when I watch other teams go to zone, oftentimes it's like, desperation it's like we can't get a stop and let's hope they miss some jump shots and normally it doesn't work like normally it does not work the Knicks are the only team in the NBA where teams use that as an actual ace in the hole if they can't guard them and the Knicks can't execute they run a lot of high screen and roll on against pick and roll against a against a zone offense which is a little unorthodox it's not crazy I know a lot of people saying why do you do that there are there's there's certain plays that I see you do that but do a lot of on-ball screens against zone offense against zone defenses. Oftentimes, it also seems like they don't recognize that the team's in zone, especially in the first few possessions early on, because they're still running their man-to-man offense. I know it because I watch their man-to-man offense regularly. Like, I don't understand what the deal is where they can't execute into zone, but 
you had Nate McMillan on Friday saying, "Yeah, man, you know they were go- they were hot, so we just went to zone and you know <laughs> things were great." And then last night, same thing happens, and it's uh it's the same old story with the Knicks. But yeah, the way the schedule shakes out, I'm 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 very concerned. That being said, when we have counted the Knicks out, you know, the five-game losing streak and, and some other low points this season, that tends to be when they bounce back and um, play a really good game. And, and the Knicks still have Brunson. He's going to win them a game at some point. Randall's mm-hmm. playing at a very high level, um, especially on the offensive end. You know, those two guys will combine for 16 one night, and, and, and Barrett will chip in 20, and Grimes will hit four threes. And they'll, you, know, you assume they'll get some wins, but nothing is guaranteed going forward, and there's definitely cause for concern. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't think obviously we're you know we're not shocked by it. You know there were some other folks talking about oh, the Knicks can maybe secure home you know home court advantage in the playoffs during that you know that stretch. I think we were always of the mind where you know best case scenario can they hold not the sixth? Six, um, yep. You know they they lost uh, the Heat one last night combined with the Knicks loss means the Knicks are now in seventh, just a half game ahead of the Hawks who looked amazing against the Knicks um, and then got and then got beat badly by a terrible yeah. Hornets team. Um, which makes the Knicks' loss look even that much worse. Um, That's what's annoying about the season, too, is that we're seeing like teams like the, the Hawks and the Raptors who look terrible against everybody else. Yes. When they play against the Knicks, they look great. Like, I, like that is annoying. And one, the Knicks do have a four-game lead on the Raptors who are about to enter a hellacious stretch. They have an eight-game West Coast road trip. Um, you know, back-to-backs, Golden State. Then uh, they start with the Kings. Then a back-to-back in Golden State and Portland. Then they go to Phoenix. So things are about to get ugly for the Raptors, who are banged up and who have played their starters excess amount of minutes. Uh, one other thing, too, like, you know, like the defense, the, the, the Tibbs defenders claim – you know, uh, other other teams are, are playing their starters, you know, nearly as much as the Knicks. Yes, and they're getting knocked for it. Like Nick Nurse is, is, is <laughs> right. you know, surprisingly on the hot seat, given as well as, you know, the, the, the amount of credit he had built up, you know, during the championship season, as the head coach of Team Canada. Um, but there are a lot of Raptors fans in, in and around the organization that are worried with the, the minutes there, that, that their key guys are playing. Um, but the Knicks uh, uh, are still four games up on the Raptors, but they're now three and one head to head. So uh, the Raptors, the 11 seed. So if it came down to a 10 seed and, you know, to get into the playoffs or between the eighth and the ninth seed, which one um, goes up into that, that top half of the playing bracket, which half is the bottom that could factor in the fact that the Raptors have a tiebreaker, something to keep in mind. Yeah. I just feel like the people who, who want to somehow defend playing guys, 35, 40, 42 minutes a night. I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know. Do you, do you still believe in the dinosaurs? Like, like look at the teams that have won championships recently. Yeah. The Bucks, the Warriors, the Raptors, all teams, you know, Raptors prior to this Nick Nurse situation, yeah. all teams that have embraced uh, load management, embraced rest for their best players. These are not teams that are saying, no, we're going to play these guys 40 minutes. We don't care if they get hurt. We don't care what happens. Those teams win championships. It'd be different if you could find me, well, look, the last four, Tibbs won the last five championships. Right. So how can you guys talk about minutes being an issue? Like, the only guys I see losing are the coaches like Tibbs. And and Tibbs' issues with this go back a decade, fifteen years. You know, ask right. Noah and and Derrick Rose and and the and the Timberwolves situation like this. And Lou Dang, yes, 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 yes. Lou Dang still still recovering from from playing forty minutes, forty five minutes a night. Yeah, it's 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 um it's it's just, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that there's an attitude that he's kind of helpless because Knicks don't have much talent. But right. that's that's on the front office. Like to me, like. If there's any way, if there's any reason to say they, they should be like that's to me is that's that's the thing you should be hammering Leon for. 
is that you can't play Isaiah Hardenstein 25 minutes. That you can't play Evan Fournier 20 minutes. Like, that to me is your biggest deal. Say, now, they need to play more because you can't have your starters playing, you know, endlessly throughout the entire game. But the fact that Tibbs can't go to those guys and them guys give them anything is, is, is to me an indictment on the front on the front office. And to, but also to your point, you you, you played Randall and and Obi you know, four minutes together in the Hawks against the Hawks, and they had a and they had a poor showing. Uh, that means it can't work. No, you don't. You don't play Randall forty four minutes over three weeks, and then have you know, no. You sprinkle that in a game here, a game there, three right. minutes here, five minutes stretch, an eight minute stretch, and a in a second half of a back to back. You know, and then one of the first fifteen games of the year. This way, it's not. It's you know, you're not thrown into the mix where you're desperate and and trying something new. If you slowly but surely, incrementally, not only do you. Uh, limit the minutes, the wear and tear proactively on your star players, but you also give yourself an opportunity to adjust more easily if and when those star players need to rest or get injured or whatever the case might be. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Again, but this talks about being creative and thinking forward. And Knicks just don't have that in head coach right now. So Knicks lose. 125, 116. We will be previewing this Cavs game in just a few minutes. But first, a new name is being linked to the New York Knicks ahead of this February 9th trade deadline. Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype says the Knicks and Bucks have, have had conversations centered around Grayson Allen. Scotto says the Knicks have expressed interest in Allen while shopping Cam Reddish to Milwaukee. Scotto notes that Allen has been linked to trade talks involving Evan, Eric Gordon of the Rockets and Jay Crowder of the Phoenix Suns, and it's more likely he'd be putting the trade for those guys than a trade with the Knicks for uh, Cam Reddish. But before we even get into whether or not this is realistic, do you like the Knicks uh, targeting someone like Grayson Allen? Uh, yeah, I mean, Allen's a good player. He's a he's a good quality role player um, on a good team, you know, and, and has been a winner his whole career. A um, bit of a knucklehead, some, you know, the, the questionable ethical fouls, et cetera. But right. dude's a starter on a team that uh, I think will probably, you know, if not the championship favorites, the second, third, whatever the case might be. Um, it started 40 games this year for that club. Um, and if, if you're moving them, started 61 out of the, you know, 66 games last year. If you're moving them out, for a, if you're trading a quality NBA starter on a good team for a player that can't get minutes on an average at best team, um, it's right. a, it's a no brainer. Um, I don't see any reason why the Bucks would consider it unless the Knicks are, you know, obviously you assume the Knicks are throwing in some second round sweeteners. Um, the only other uh, thing that would make sense from my end is that the, you know, the, the Bucks management has an order from the top down. Let's cut the payroll. Um, exactly. This will only cut about 2 million off the, off the, 
bucks cap, but that would save about $7 million in total and luxury spending and, 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 and payroll. Um, maybe that's the issue. Uh, maybe that's the, the motivation behind the deal. But uh, my assumption is they, they want, they would obviously prefer to get, you know, the Eric Gordons or, you know, a, a, a upgrade from, from Grayson Allen. If the worst case scenario, they can't pull it, pull the trigger on one of those deals. They have the Knicks in their back pocket and we can unload and shave some salary um, and bring in Cam Reddish. Hopefully, you know, you know, um, he, he can knock down some shots and, and defend. So it's, you know, it's not a crazy trade by the Bucks. but if I'm Giannis, I don't want to trade Grayson Allen for Cam Reddish, who's a, who's a wild card versus a guy that's, um, you know, played big games at Duke, played big playoff games. I know I can count on in Grayson Allen. I don't, I don't see that. And, 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 and every year you have, Giannis, you're is a win now year, so it would really be you know penny wise pound foolish for the Bucks. I don't I don't see it happening, but certainly something for the Knicks to consider. Allen would be a great addition, and not a great addition, an upgrade over over their current rotation and, and provide some rest for their their guys up front, which would be beneficial. Yeah, I would really like Grayson Allen on this team. I mean, as a person who I won't call myself a Duke hater, but someone who doesn't root for Duke, uh, I've often at times uh, rooted against Grayson Allen throughout his career. And I do think his antics are, you know, they, they do speak to his character. I do think that he's kind of like, uh, let's just say a guy who likes to, you know, mix it up. I don't know. I don't want to say dirty player, but he's a, he's a guy who who plays on an edge. That's probably the best yes. way I can put it. And 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 because of that, I think sometimes that runs a little out of control. And we've seen guys um, get tripped. We've seen guys get injured, like what happened to Caruso last season. So, um I don't necessarily want those antics, but do I like the 40% from three? Yes. Do I like his ability to defend? Yes. Do I like his ability to get out in open court? Yes. I think that he could hit clutch shots. We saw that already this season at Madison Square Garden. So, like, I, I think in many ways he would be a really solid addition to this Knicks team. And if you only, if you only give up Cam Reddish, I would I would, I would would send the Uber for Cam Reddish to the airport. No like, brainer. Alan, yeah. two, two years in a row now was a 45-40-90 guy. No, not 50-40-90. That's, that's rare that you can get a, a wing like that in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And and Cam Reddish is not contributing. Now, look, watching that game on Sunday, it was nauseating to see Evan Fournier get you know those minutes, knowing that he was giving them nothing. And uh, to me, it's like, I don't know why Cam Reddish just – why he's even suiting up. Like, why don't they just send him home at this point? Why is he in a Jake Crowder situation? Because if anybody – uh, you know, didn't earn their minutes uh, in that game. It was definitely Evan Fournier. But, like, if you can get a guy who can actually contribute that's been starting and you offload a guy who you don't want to play at all, I mean, that's a win. I don't I don't see any downside to that. And I think that the Knicks were smart to explore that. I think it's highly unlikely that this happens because, as you mentioned, the only thing, only benefit for the, for the Bucks really is your shaving salary. Like, I can't imagine Knicks are going to, include a first round pick in the trade like this. So, uh, okay, maybe get a second rounder, maybe get a couple. Um, and then, okay, you shave a little bit of salary. Maybe we cut some of that luxury tax payments that you're making. Unless that's coming from the owner and it's a mandate, maybe. But even then, I almost wonder if they could still do better. And, and I, you know, I don't know what every other uh, team or a team situation is, but there may be a cheaper player out there uh, where they can get a guy who can contribute a lot more than Cam Reddish, I think, would for Milwaukee. So, I don't understand for Milwaukee. I don't think it's that realistic, but I think the Knicks exploring this is smart. I think that was an absolute smart play because they know this is a team that probably isn't enthralled with, with being in the luxury tax. Yeah, that, that would be the only explanation for me. And again, I would assume 
um, that they that they'll be able to find a, a better fit uh, if, if they're willing to trade Allen. Because you know Allen on a relatively affordable contract is a is a net positive player. So I don't see any reason. That, you know there are other teams that were, would be willing to take him on if if for no other reason just to flip him this offseason or or you know in a part of a three way um, that would be able to facilitate a deal um, that would I that would either cut more salary savings for the Bucks um, or you know, result in the Bucks getting a better player back than Allen. So again, I, I wouldn't anticipate Grayson Allen being a Nick if all the Knicks have to give up is, is a reddish and maybe some second rounders. How confident are you that the Knicks will make a trade that is beyond just selling off someone like Cam Reddish or Evan Fournier? Like do you how I guess my question is like how confident are you that the Knicks will make a trade that is meant to kind of improve the roster, improve the rotation as is? Uh, I think they will try to do so, but again, you got to be careful. The ceiling this year is, you know, maybe, you know, winning a couple games in the first round or getting out of the play-in tournament, um, Mm -hmm. you know, other, for other than morale of, of Nick fans and, you know, giving us something to talk about in March, April. And, you know, you know, again, part of their plan is kind of trending in the right direction. So if, and when the player demands a trade, um, you know, so they, they're certainly to do so, but the, the, an important factor to, to weigh and then, and to their credit, Leon Rose and company have been, you know, have, have stuck to this plan is not giving up draft capital for a short-sighted move. Um, so I think they'll, they'll obviously be active in and around the trade deadline. They have guys they'd prefer to move, uh, in, in Fournier, Rose and Reddish. Um, you know, Fournier has that extra year in his deal, making him more difficult to move. Um, but again, as part of a three-way deal where they facilitate salary, um, they obviously have seven first rounders that they can part with. I, 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 you know, I, I, again, in the right situation for the right player under contract, um, you know, we'll see, you know, the Lakers just this afternoon made a move for Rui Hachimura only had to give up a few second rounders. I don't understand why Washington would part ways with, with Hachimura. Um, but it just goes to show you that if you're, you know, there are, there are players that are, you know, on the borderline of rotations that, you know, other teams can view as upgrades um, over guys like Fournier, Rose, and Reddish who can't get consistent minutes on an average Knicks team. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, here we go again with, like, the Knicks trying to offload guys with a year left on their contract. Like, last year it was Alec Burks that they were trying to give away. And the word was that, oh, we signed out versus this, like, kind of bargain bargain deal. Like, he'll be easy to get off of. And sure enough, they it was impossible to get off Alec Burks' deal. They had to wait until the draft. And they had to give, they had to give up, like, four first-round picks, uh, including that deal with um, with Kevin Walker to, to get off of it. Like, um, and now we're in the same position with Fournier, where it's like, okay, this is a contract that you thought when you signed out. Oh, it's not too bad. Well, now here we are a year later, and it's impossible to get off this deal. So... <laughs> The best case scenario for the Knicks, and and we've said this during winning streaks, we've said this during losing streaks, we've said this during another winning streak, we'll say this again during the current losing streak, the best case scenario might be trading Randall at a sell-high price. Um, because again, you kind of know your ceiling, you know, with this team and him as a focal point of the franchise, um, it's only so high they can get. So if they could, um, you know, kind of rework the roster and create cap space and 
and or bring in youngsters and or, you know, in, increase their 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 draft capital stock. Um, you know, that's something they should explore. I don't think they will. Um, but that, to me, would be kind of the most interesting development if they actually explored what they could get for Randall right now. Because I'd be fascinated to see what what other teams would be willing. And there are the uh, season is way up in the air, you know. Like, yeah. Um, I just saw the I, right on Twitter. I saw before we hopped on the four teams left. Uh, you know, the four NFL teams left are like plus two three sixty to plus four hundred. You know, the closest the, the the least variance in in terms of betting. You know, odds going into the, the uh, final four weekend in, in NFL. You know, last twenty years or something like that. I think I could see a case where you could make um, that the top eight teams. You know, after the first round of the playoffs um, remaining in each conference, you could make a strong case for any of them advancing the final. So there's going to be a trade that you know the team feels all right. This is our year. We can if we swing a yeah. deal for the right player, we might be able to make a move and, and might Randall entice a team like that yeah and it's it's i think why i agree is extremely unlikely because it's this this front office is committed to remaining competitive while also not mortgaging their future so i think they're going to say well we can't remain competitive without randall and they're probably right about that with the way randall's been playing but when you do look at these next two weeks it is going to be interesting because like the stain like i'm not wishing for the bottom to fall out but could the bottom fall out? Yes. You mentioned Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn, Miami, the Clippers, Philly, all on this stretch prior to the trade deadline. They have yep. a game and mixed in with the Lakers and a game mixed in with Orlando. Those are the only games you say, okay, Knicks should handle those teams. Besides that, all extremely difficult games left on the schedule before the trade deadline. They lose seven out of, you know, five out of seven or however many, six out of eight or whatever. And now you're talking about a team that's, you know, in 10th. And, 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 and now you're three games below 500, like, and Randall's still playing well and he's still putting up big numbers. I I, I wonder, I forget if the Knicks are, are looking to make a trade. I want the team start calling the Knicks saying, hey, this is where you are in the standings. And, you know, where Phoenix, where one of these teams, yes. we think we can still win a championship. Like, what are you willing to give up for Julius Randall? That's what I'm saying. I think another team could be like, listen, we're a piece away right. from being the best team in the conference or the second, you know, like to make an legit. And there are four teams, five teams, you know, like that could say that to themselves. Like if we get a player that can average 20, 10 and five for us for the second half of the season and then the playoffs, like we could be a push. And the other thing relatedly is it's pretty clear now. And today's a good day to talk about it. Obi cannot, as long as the head coach and the power forward are here, Obi Toppin has no place in New York, you know, for, for mm-hmm. it, it just, it's, it's clear at this point. There's just, the, the, yeah. it, he can't survive with, with, with that, with that, that trio, all three of them together are not going to coexist successfully for all three of them to thrive. One of them has to be moved sooner or later. Um, you know, maybe that's the coach getting fired after the season. Maybe that's Randall demanding a trade at, you know, at the, at the end of the season, maybe that's Obi saying, listen, enough is enough guys, either play me or trade me. And, and another team swoops in and buy lows on top and, um, either in February or prior to the draft. Um, but again, especially considering the Knicks, um, that Obi Toppin will be extension eligible in, in four months from now. Um, it, I just don't see a scenario in which all three of those guys are on the, on the Knicks roster, Randall Toppin and Tibbs. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah, at, at, the start of, at the start of next season, I mean, I just don't see yeah, how right. all three guys are still around. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of crazy because in many ways, Knicks have been lucky that Toppin is a high character guy. I mean, he yes. could have made waves and made issues with the way the season has gone and he hasn't. And, and that's a credit to him, but yeah, I think you're right. I, it's funny. You mentioned like 
one that's good, including the coach potentially, because like maybe maybe another coach comes in here and, and looks at this and says, "Hey, look, we got to find a way to get Obi Toppin and Randall together, and we're gonna actually commit to it." And right. I'm still not convinced that it absolutely cannot work. I'm not agreed. Convinced that. Uh, agreed. No, I'm not, like I'm not convinced that that you couldn't play those two guys together and find those guys minutes. But you know, you're and, right. And, this coach and, doesn't want to do it, so it's never. And I'm also, and I'm also not convinced Obi's going to be a great NBA player by any means. Right. You know, like we, there, right. there's there's evidence to suggest that he has a lot to untap. There's a, the potential to untap. Player of the year coming out of college. Last five games of last season, averaging 27, eight, and, and five, and basically relatively meaningless games. That, be, but again, there's also he struggled shooting. He goes through waves. He's defensively, he's not a great player. But we're not going to find out one way or the other here in New York when he goes to Indiana and plays 30 minutes a night. Then we find out what type of player he is. If the Knicks don't feel that he's that type of player, um, then they'll hold on to Randall, and and or they just maybe they feel Randall even that Obi at his best is is not is only an approximation of Randall. So it doesn't make sense to reduce his minutes, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that being said, I just, again, I don't, I don't see any way in which they, all three can coexist, uh, you know, going forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. February 9th is the NBA trade deadline. We will see if the Knicks end up making any moves with this roster. You expect there will at least be some. How much of it will be improving this team? We'll have to see and wait till then. But the Knicks are in action on Tuesday at the Garden. New York hosts Cleveland uh, at 7.30. The Cavs just beat the Bucks on Saturday, but have sputtered of late. They lost three of their last five games. The last two times, last time these two teams played, it actually was a turning point. In the next season, uh, the Knicks had gotten demolished by Dallas and Tom Thibodeau appeared to be on the hot seat. But the Knicks put on their best defensive performance in the next day and beat the Cavs 92-81. That was their, uh, just a, a masterclass defensively. It was a change in the lineup. We saw a nine-man rotation for the first time this season. The Knicks had started their eight-game winning streak from there. So, uh, actually, Tommy, how can the Knicks turn it around against Cleveland on Tuesday? Yeah, I think you you brought up a great point. It is the um, uh, the the this the game that essentially turned the season around was that that Cleveland game after the Dallas debacle Saturday afternoon when they played the Cavs Sunday night. There was talk that they'd lost that game or been blown out in that game. Tibbs's tenure might be nearing its conclusion. Um, they win that game, shrunk to a nine man rotation. You know, go on to win an eight game win streak. It's also worthy worth noting. It, that's the date by which you go back to see the incredible increase in minutes played among Randall Brunson, um, you know, those guys when they started, you know, yeah. basically uh, playing too many minutes, essentially, especially the second half of November into January, uh, second half of December, rather into, into January, and basically to where we are now. Um, yeah. So, you know, that that's part of it. Uh, but that being said, the, the key is, the, you know, success defensively. Um, they held the, the Cavs to 81 in that in that game, uh, arguably their best defensive performance of the season. Question is, they're going to need it to adjust sy systemically and, and systematically 
with Mitchell Robinson. Without that that backstop back there to clean up all the mistakes, you can't be as risky on the perimeter. R.J. Barrett in particular, you can't go for steals as much. You have to play a little bit more conservative, a little bit more um, you know, diligent on the defensive end because you don't have that rim protector that's going to wipe away the mistakes that you might make. Um, also, probably a little bit more drop, uh, a little bit less drop coverage. We saw that a little bit uh, on Sunday night, two tips credit. Um, we'll see if that continues. Um, but I think a key, obviously, is also Emmanuel quickly being healthy. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Knicks' two highest individual net rating um, on the team this season uh, are, are quickly and, and Mitchell Robinson by a significant amount. Third is Grimes. Um, IQ is pl- the only two that are plus six, though, are, are Mitch Rob and, 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 um, and IQ. Um, and then Grimes is like plus 5.1, I think. So um, it's, it's very difficult for a team that basically only relies on six players, if two of those six players are out, um, it's difficult to win games. Um, so we'll see if, uh, you know, if, if IQ, which, you know, it's, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. We'll see if we get an update on, on quickly, if he's able to practice and, and able to, you know, probably will likely be a game time decision. We probably won't know until tomorrow night. Um, but uh, Nick's obviously IQ is, is a very important part of the team. Another key in this game will be the availability of Donovan Mitchell, who's been suffering from a groin injury uh, this coming uh, as we record this uh, episode of, of the Orange and Blues podcast from Dow Reuter from uh, 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, saying that uh, Bickerstaff said that Donovan Mitchell practice today um, was a full participant. So considering he practiced on Monday, they played Tuesday. I would expect he plays in this game. I know he did not play against uh, Milwaukee, Evan Mobley had the game of his career, arguably 38 points, nine rebounds. Uh, he was an absolute force in, uh, in that game. No Giannis in that one for the Bucks. So, you know, Donovan misses out there. It's going to be a lot of trouble if, if the Knicks, you know, somehow miss Donovan in this one. That would obviously be a benefit to them. Hopefully Donovan can get back healthy. But, yeah, Emmanuel quickly, I mean, we saw in that game on Sunday how much they missed him. I mean, he, he's a lightning plug. He's a He, he brings a spark to that offense especially coming off the bench. And um, they just – when he's not out there, you see the amount of ducks they have offensively. They don't have a lot of guys you can throw the ball to and get a shot when the guy's coming off the bench. Evan Fournier is only useful if he's wide open for three. Uh, Deuce McBride is not really an offensive player. We've already talked about Isaiah Hardenstein and all of his struggles. So um, when you then add no quickly to that bench, now you're really in trouble. So it's going to be tough in that standpoint. I just think it's going to be tough for the Knicks in this matchup because of the size that Cleveland presents with a Mobley Allen front court, and then they bring in Kevin Love off the bench. I would expect this is a game the Knicks get hammered on the glass, considering those are the guys that Cleveland is putting on the front court. I think that they'll probably get mauled in that regard. I don't love this matchup. I think that you know with Mitch Robson out there, you know even with Donovan Mitchell, as we saw the Knicks were able to handle them last time. I think that you say, okay, Knicks can compete against this team. I don't feel good about this game at all. Um, I really hope I'm wrong, but it just seems like bad place, bad time for the Knicks to get this team. Uh, and, and with Mobley now, maybe he's starting to get it going. He's playing with confidence. Mitchell coming back potentially, it doesn't look good. Yeah, Mitchell's missed each of the last three games. It wouldn't surprise anybody if he – the reason he set out the last game against the Bucks was to make sure he's extra healthy because you know he wants to play in New York uh, in, in yep. front of his, his hometown fans um, and, and against the Knicks at the Garden. That's obviously something that um, – you know, if he if he could choose maybe any game on the schedule, those are these are one of the games that, that he'd want to play. So, um, and to your point, um, Bernie Bickerstaff said that uh, Mitchell was able to do everything in practice 
um, today, meaning Monday. So uh, I would expect Donovan Mitchell to suit up as long as he doesn't have a setback um, tomorrow morning, shoot around, you know, pregame, et cetera. I would expect uh, Mitchell to be back. So that would give the, the Cavs their full complement of players. And and I agree with you. Um, this one is a one that uh, the Knicks are going to have a tough time you know, getting a W in. I will say, if I'm going to issue a challenge to anybody on the roster, it's going to be Jalen Brunson. Like, I, I talked about it earlier in this episode. Like, I thought Jalen Brunson had, to me, one of his worst games. And maybe the shooting percentages won't suggest that. The box score won't suggest that. But, uh, you know, he's not guarding, you know, Fred Van Vliet. But, you know, his contemporary on the other side is just absolutely torching the Knicks. I thought Brunson looked tentative. He he he, he got there were a lot of deflections, a lot of turnovers, a lot of near turnovers. And he's going to have another matchup against another star guard in Darius Garland, like, I want to see Jalen Brunson have a real bounce back game. Like the Knicks are sputtering. He's their leader. He's their closer. If the Knicks are going to turn this around and it's going to start with this game, it's going to have to be a big game from Jalen Brunson. So uh, I'm issuing the challenge with JB. Like, like we, we feel like he's an all-star. He's had a great season uh, this season. I, he needs to play better than he played against Toronto. That, that performance for most of that game was just not up to standard. Agreed. And 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 FVV has done a, a number on the Knicks. I actually looked at the numbers this morning um, uh, against the Knicks. He's played. So he's played four games against the Knicks this year. He's averaging twenty nine point three points and four made three pointers, shooting 40 percent from downtown against yeah. all non Nick opponents this season. That's thirty five other games. He's averaging seventeen point nine points while shooting thirty eight percent from the floor and thirty three percent from downtown. Um, so, yes. But we, we know that going in Brunson's, you know, he, he makes his bones on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, you you kind of have to cover up for him defensively. He does what he can, draws charge, second lead, and charges drawn, et cetera. Um, crafty. Um, but, you know, when you have a quick on-ball point guard like Van Vliet, like Garland's capable of scoring 25 a night, um, uh, Brunson's going to have to step up. I'm confident he will. For me, the X factor is Grimes. Um, he has to do. He has to keep hold Donovan Mitchell in check. He also needs to knock down his three-pointers. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about his form. We talk about his ability to score, and, and he's done a good job putting the ball on the floor and and hitting you know uh, big men under the basket for dunks. He also has to make shots. Um, same with McBride. We know he's contributing. Um, McBride's a you know has to has to make some baskets um, in order to uh, reward, in order to maintain his spot in the rotation. Um, but yeah, I think Grimes needs to have a big game um, on both ends of the floor uh, in order for the Knicks to pull their victory. Knicks backward guys step up. Last time in Mitchell shot a combined thirteen for forty one in that game. So I would expect these guys are going to want to. Uh, make up for for that future performance they had to Garden last time. And like you said, uh, both Brunson and Grimes did not play up the standard in Toronto. Uh, so we're, they're going to have to have a big game in this one, and a big matchup against Cleveland. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Orange and Blue Bloods podcast. Uh, Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode, of course. You can get all of our episodes. We drop three times a week of Orange and Blue Bloods anywhere you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto uh, download and subscribe feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time. So thank you guys again for listening to us. For EJ, I'm Tom. For, for, for Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, guys. Peace.